Travis Wingfield. I'm ready to go in, coach. Just give me a chance. I know there's a lot riding on it, but it's all psychological. Just got to stay in a positive frame of mind. You are Locked On Dolphin, your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami! What's up, Dolph fans, and welcome into the Tuesday, March the 6th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, the combine is finally complete. The marathon event is over in Indianapolis. We will revisit my shortlist for the Dolphins' first round pick, number 11 overall. And no matter how you feel about Mike Tannenbaum, the Dolphins do have a pretty clear vision, and they are certainly working towards executing that. We will discuss all of that. And with Kirk Cousins likely heading to Minnesota, we'll revisit the options for a backup quarterback to Ryan Tannehill and how Miami could accomplish that in free agency. But first... I have to remind you guys to go ahead and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating and a review for you regular guys. You know how this works. Now, if you're a new listener, please leave us that rating and review. Give us a subscription on Apple Podcasts. It really helps the podcast grow and get out to more Dolphins. Follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the show at LockedOnFins. Check out LockedOnDolphins.com. There is a comprehensive report on the newest Dolphin, Robert Quinn, the pass rusher coming over from Los Angeles. I dove into his tape both in LA and St. Louis and tell you guys what you can expect to see from him and how he'll figure into the rotation. Lots of video cut-ups, stats, and snap counts, all that stuff you guys love. And of course, check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL Draft podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. And just a bit of personal news here before we get into the first down topic on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. I am very excited to announce that I have accepted a position with DraftTech.com as the Miami Dolphins draft analyst. I'll be updating their team needs as well as some visits and players I talk to. All that good stuff and go into that kind of mock draft builder, the simulator you guys can go ahead and do on DraftTech.com. So I'll be the one in charge of that. So if you have any issues with any of that, you can go ahead and hit me up on Twitter at Wingfield NFL and we'll talk about it there. Let's go ahead and get into first down from the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins and it is first down, and we're talking here about a tweet I saw from a guy that I actually have blocked on Twitter. I'm not sure why. Uh, he probably said something a while back I thought was stupid and went ahead and just removed him from the timeline altogether. I did that back in my earlier Twitter day, so I have some guys that are blocked. I don't even remember doing it, but it's Ben Volan, at Ben Volan. Looks like he's a Patriots reporter based on his... Uh, Twitter timeline and Twitter profile here, but he has a tweet today saying that he heard that the Panthers, Jaguars, and Dolphins are heavily interested in a free agent quarterback market. The Jaguars and Dolphins are in win-now mode and want a veteran quarterback to push the starter. Ryan Tannehill, Adam Gaze said it so many times that Ryan Tannehill is going to be his starting quarterback in 2018, and that kind of leads me into a huge topic, into a huge, I guess, monologue that I wrote out here and kind of wanted to talk about for you guys because it all aligns with a vision I see from Mike Tannenbaum and the Miami Dolphins. And like I said at the top of the show, however you feel about Mike Tannenbaum, this team does have a clear vision. Now, before I get any further on that, I do want to go ahead and preface it with this note that I don't necessarily agree with the way that he approaches that vision or the way that the Dolphins acquire players. I think the mode of of let's buy low on these guys that have a medical history and try to get lightning in a bottle with guys that have not produced in a couple of years and hope they can revert back to their old form. And I'm not saying that's what they did with Robert Quinn, but it kind of is. And they've done it in the past. I talked about it on yesterday's show with my guest from the Lockdown Rams podcast, Brad Motter. 
And we talked a little bit about how the Dolphins seem to be doing this with Byron Maxwell, Julius Thomas, Jordan Cameron, now Robert Quinn, and they won't pay their own guys because their own guys are guys that have come up through the program. They were on rookie deals. Now you have to give them this huge pay raise. And I don't know what the mentality is or what the thought process is, but for whatever reason, the Dolphins don't seem very interested in doing that. And I'm a big fan of doing that and keeping your own guys in house. That was their mode and their theme of last offseason was talking about keeping the own guys, our own guys here, developing continuity and showing the players we're going to reward those guys that work hard and do it the right way. We saw it with Kenny Stills. Obviously, he was not a original Dolphin. He got drafted by the New Orleans Saints, comes over in a trade, and now he is a what seems to be like a Dolphin for the long term and, and a guy that I think we should all be big fans of because of what he does both on and off the field. But it just goes back to this vision they have. Their vision is to play with a lead. They talked about it last year. They struggled to find leads early on in football games, and they fell behind so often, those first drive touchdowns, and then a Jay, Cut- Jay Cutler pick in the end zone or whatever it was, they were always behind in the game and always behind on the scoreboard. So it just didn't allow them to fulfill that vision completely. And listen, they have told us verbatim, I don't know how many times now that they have done it, that the difference between 2016 and 2017 was going from Ryan Tannehill to Jay Cutler. And you might say that Gaze always supports his quarterbacks at press conferences, and that is true. That's very true. But it's always in season. He pr- he protects his guys in season and tries to erase all that doubt when the fan base starts chanting for backup quarterbacks and all that stuff. He will make a firm decision that he's the one in charge and he's not going to listen to that kind of crap. So you take what he says then in season and then go to the end of season press conference at the scouting combine as well as right after the season was over in January and Gaze admitted that the Jay Cutler thing, it did not work out. He saw it going differently. He admitted it wasn't what they were hoping for. And when has he ever said anything like that in regards to Ryan Tannehill? He hasn't. His affinity for Tannehill has been genuine since day one. And is there an affinity for some rookie quarterbacks in this draft class? Of course there is. Why wouldn't there be? This is one of the best rookie quarterback classes to ever come out. I study the quarterbacks and there are multiple guys in this class that I absolutely love and that I'd love to see play for Miami in the future but I still see Tannehill as a more than adequate player at the position and one that would be extremely difficult to upgrade on. It's You're not going to find a top 10 quarterback at the snap of a finger. You might get lucky, it might happen, but there's a very good chance you draft a guy that's no nothing anywhere near that range, and we don't have to go to a list of all the quarterbacks that have failed in the first round, but there's a long, long list, as you guys well know. So when I see this tweet from Ben Volan that the Dolphins are in win-now mode, it makes sense. I talked about it in the Robert Quinn trade. And that's why I'm inclined to believe that they agree with me in regards to the quarterback position. The best way to improve the Dolphins in 2018 isn't to hope for a slight upgrade at quarterback, which, let's be honest, in the best case scenario, you would need someone like a Dak Prescott type of rookie year to get an upgrade over Ryan Tannehill. How often do rookie quarterbacks play at that level? It's a big adjustment period. Even though guys are playing from day one nowadays, it's still a big adjustment and you never get that top level rookie performance. It hasn't happened in a long, long time outside of guys like Dak Prescott. But the chance for a huge upgrade on defense at other spots presents a far better cumulative upgrade to the team in general. So if they view Tannehill as the answer to the offensive woes, and I agree with them, he doesn't miss on those short timing throws, those layups that Jay Cutler made look so difficult time after time, inaccurate throws behind the receiver. Jarvis Landry have to make a one-yard catch on a little two-yard flat route or a simple one-yard crosser. Tannehill's better at extending plays. He's better at keeping you on schedule. He keeps the defense more honest with his legs and has that threat in the red zone attack. You can keep the offense on schedule. What I mean by that is that you're in second and six opposed to third, second and 10 when Jay 
Jay Cutler misses that short throw, whereas Tannehill hits it and you get a little four-yard gain, an extension of the running game, that screen game where Cutler just had so many missed throws. So you make that fix there. That's your offensive fix at the quarterback position. You sprinkle a little bit of offensive line, tight end help to kind of help that unit grow and mature together and then let's attack this defense via the draft and get that unit up to playing like a top 15 maybe even a top 10 group if you do it right and all of a sudden you're not just a playoff threat you're a true contender in a weak AFC conference and before you tell me that they are not close to contending at all tell me how close you thought the Jaguars were last year I had them at 3-13 and going into the year I was not going to buy into that team for the fourth straight year like so many media members did I was wrong obviously but you can get the point that a lot of these teams are not predicted to do so well and go so deep and then they do it happens every year the Falcons in 2016 I believe their average prediction was like seven and nine eight and eight that year the Dolphins made them look really bad in the third preseason game that year so I mean you go back to 2015 the Carolina Panthers they go 15 and one and they were another team supposed to be like eight and eight nine and seven in that mediocre range so every year there are multiple surprise teams and every year one of those surprise teams makes a run to the Super Bowl or comes up just shy like the Jaguars last year so Who are those other options that give this team an immediate jolt in the arm at pick number 11? We're going to talk about that on the other side. Locked on Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked on Fins. So talking again about upgrades in 2018, how to get this team winning more games as quickly as possible. And my plan sounds all good and well if you have the defense to do it but it's all talk until it actually happens. You look at the areas the Dolphins' defense struggled in last year, the two big ones, you guys have heard me talk about it all offseason long, number 30 in the NFL in red zone defense and dead last against third and six plus on defense. So third and long and red zone defense. And why is that the case, you might ask? Why are they good on other downs and not those downs, those particular situations? There's two reasons for it. The pass rush just was not good enough. Obviously, Cam Wake is there and Dominican Sue. You guys know the roster. You guys know the players. It just wasn't good enough last year. And they struggled mightily on the back end with matchup problems. So how do you fix those two things? Well, the hope is that Robert Quinn comes in and gives you another guy that can give you 600, 700 good reps, primarily as a pass rusher. Hopefully over you know, 60, 70% of those reps are as a pass rusher in the passing game. And you can get more pressure on the quarterbacks, create more chaos, and allow your cornerbacks to cover up better in man coverage and in short areas on those third and long plays. So... That's step number one. I think that spot has been filled. Probably can go ahead and scratch defensive end off of any target list this offseason unless you're going to find a bargain guy, a run-stopping type of defensive end. Part number two is that mismatch problem and the guy that you can find to kind of eliminate some of those guys that are very tough to deal with, whether it's a big guy like a Rob Gronkowski or a Travis Kelsey, or it's a more shifty, diminutive type of running back team like the New England Patriots with James White, Deion Lewis, all those guys. You have to find guys that can eliminate those types of players and you guys have heard me talk about it all, all offseason so far. There are two guys that I have just been absolutely enamored with in terms of what they can do on the back end. I heard Mike Mayock talk about it on the defensive back portion of the combine today, actually, as I record this episode on Monday, talking about how Mika Fitzpatrick can play all six positions on the back end. And I see Derwin James in the exact same light. He might not be as much of a single high kind of roamer type of player, but he has the explosion and the athletic ability and the versatility to go ahead and make that happen. So as you get into my short list here, looking at the combine, you had Derwin James. He ran a 4-4-8 at 6-2-2-15, and Mika Fitzpatrick ran a 4-4-7 at 6 foot and 203, I believe it was. So you have a bigger body, a more explosive guy. 
Derwin James's broad jump was 11 feet compared to Mika Fitzpatrick's 10 feet. Derwin James's vert was 40 compared to Mika Fitzpatrick's 31. So you have a guy, Derwin James, a redshirt sophomore, all freshman All-American, a five-star recruit, a guy that comes in and can be a leader. And I'm not saying Mika Fitzpatrick is not those things. He, he is. I think he's going to be off the board first. I, for me, for my money, I don't understand why. But... For, I just can't see a better upgrade to this team than bringing in Derwin James. He gives you the piece to go ahead and move around the defense. You can put him in your dime packages. You can put him in your nickel package. You can put him in your base package as a linebacker, safety, slot corner. You can put him wherever the hell you want. You can blitz him. He can play the run. I just do not see a way that this guy does not make a huge upgrade to the defense. And if you're worried about getting him reps in 2018, that's such a short sided way to view things because the Dolphins, I mean, Rashad Jones, I love him. One of the best safeties in the league. One of my favorite guys in the history of the Miami Dolphins, but he's not young anymore. He's in his thirties to this, at this point, TJ McDonald. Yeah. He got the new contract extension, but he's not like an all world type of player. Derwin James has hall of fame potential. In my opinion, Minka Fitzpatrick is right in that same realm, but Derwin James is the cream of the crop, in my opinion. So for my shortlist at pick number 11, improving this defense in that win now mode, Derwin James, number one, slash Minka Fitzpatrick right there with him. If either of those guys is on the board, I do not even make a phone call for a trade down. I sprint my ass to the podium. I turn that card in and I improve my defense just like that. Going down below those two players on the short list for the 2018 draft, I'm going to go back towards linebacker and I'm going to put all three of them in there. That's my. That's what I want to see. I want to see one of those guys taken if the safeties are gone. Tremaine Edmonds, Rashawn Evans, and Roquan Smith. I like Edmonds at the top because of his age and what I think he could become. I think he has more natural ability you can develop and turn into an all-world type of linebacker. You put his length, his speed, his athleticism, his willingness to hit guys. I just think that he could develop into something that could be an all-time great. And that's what I'm looking for here. I want a guy that could become great. None of these like really good defensive players that continue to make their way to Miami and they, they get these big contracts, but they aren't like dominant players that are just household names. So going after a guy like Tremaine Edmonds and that upside definitely piques my interest. So he is next. And then right below him is Rashawn Evans. He is much more polished, but doesn't have the upside of Tremaine Edmonds. I do love the way he is physical and violent. We talked about it on the podcast with Simon Clancy, the way he creates 10 car pileups on the way to the football. Just love the way he does that and blitzes. He is a very fun player to watch. And then Roquan Smith is in that same that same mold as those two other guys. He has doesn't miss any tackles. He has that sideline to sideline ability. He can get washed away in the running game. That's what kind of makes me worried about him. But if they took any of those three guys that at that pick number 11, I'd be totally thrilled. And then I made a change to my list here. The last guy I put on the list for the 11th pick in the draft. And this is if there's a run on defensive players. If James and Fitzpatrick are both gone, I would consider this guy with my linebackers. If Tremaine Edmonds is gone, I probably would go ahead and pull the trigger and be totally happy about it over Rashawn Evans and Roquan Smith. But he's in that mix too. Calvin Ridley, the Alabama wide receiver, just... I know his production was down, but you look at his quarterback play, only 900 yards in the offense last year, but they were a run-heavy offense. Obviously, the quarterback got benched in the national championship game, so he had his own issues dealing with surrounding cast at Alabama, but he, to me, is just as good as any of the guys that came out before him, whether it was Amari Cooper or Julio Jones. He has that length, that size, that speed. He can go up and snatch it. He's just great at the top of the route. His stems are really clean and perfect. So I love Calvin Ridley. If we're going to lose Jarvis Landry, I would go ahead and spend that pick on Calvin Ridley, start to phase out Devontae Parker, and just go with that and attack the offense, get Tannehill some more weapons. So those are my options. Derwin James, Mika Fitzpatrick, number one. Tremaine Edmonds, number two. And then a mixed match of Rashawn Evans, Roquan Smith, Calvin Ridley. My shortlist for the number 11 pick in the NFL draft for the Miami Dolphins. 
on staying put, not trading up, not trading down. We'll see what happens with all of that. But then let's get into the second and third round real quickly before our last segment on the podcast here. If you go after that defensive player and you get that improvement for the matchups, and talking about red zone defense, talking about third and long, you make that improvement. The next one I want to look at is improving some spots on the offense. And this class is so deep in these three areas on day two, in my opinion, tight end, offensive line, and running back, all offense. I think the tight end position, Mark Andrews ran a 4.58. I did not see that coming at all. Much better speed than I expected out of him. He's in that conversation for pick number 42 for me as well. Mike Gusecki blows up the combine, goes off. He is going to be your rebounder, your basketball guy. Another matchup problem for us on offense to go ahead and attack teams down in the red zone with him. And then also I talked about Hayden Hurst. Still like him a lot. Offensive line, I talked about all those guys too. Possibly Will Hernandez. He's probably going to go before this now. Isaiah Wynn. Some of the other players in that second or third round that could be good immediate starters at left guard for the Miami Dolphins. And then running backs, I think this class is absolutely loaded. Obviously, if Sonny Michelle makes it there, I'd be all over that. Nick Chubb, another good one. But Ronald Jones had a bad 40 and looked like he tweaked a hamstring or something. And his 40 time was really bad. So if he slipped down the draft board at all, let's say he makes it to round three, I would be more than happy to snatch him up and go ahead and pair him with Kenyon Drake. So the Dolphins have a great opportunity to improve this team at every position of the draft as it is every year the case every year I should say so we'll see if they get it done we're going to talk about backup quarterback options here on the other side for the Miami Dolphins at Locked On Fins at Wingfield NFL this is the Locked On Dolphins podcast and continuing that theme talking about the Dolphins in win now mode which we have expressed at length here on this episode let's go ahead and talk about the backup quarterback options behind Ryan Tannehill and going back to that Ben Volan tweet talking about how the Dolphins are expected to pursue quarterbacks in free agency rather heavily and perhaps that's one of the reasons they're putting out all this smoke around these quarterbacks I know I talked about it earlier there's a million reasons to like a couple of these guys in the draft and the Dolphins have to do their due diligence and go ahead and make sure they're prepared in case something like that happens where one of those guys falls that they absolutely do love so not against taking one of those guys if they fall that you love. If you love them, go ahead and do it. But maybe that is a little bit of smoke created to throw some teams off of their scent as free agency approaches. We are just a week away from free agency here. It starts on Wednesday the 14th. Obviously, the legal tamp- tampering period starts before that, so you start to get some news coming out before that time that tells you about certain players going in certain places. So it sounds like Kirk Cousins is going to the Minnesota Vikings. I know that would be well before the legal tampering portion of free agency, but it sounds like that's what he's going to pick, which frees up the Denver Broncos at pick number five, as well as the New York Jets at pick number six to probably take a quarterback there. If they want to trade for somebody else, they can do that. But it sounds like those guys will be spots a quarterback goes to. I think Cleveland will be a place a quarterback goes to, whether it's one or four. The Giants are obviously in the mix. And then you have the Washington Redskins behind Miami, the Arizona Cardinals behind Miami, maybe the Jacksonville Jaguars come way up, maybe the Buffalo Bills come up and get a quarterback. I think I still have been talking about it all year. I still think four quarterbacks go before the Dolphins have a chance to pick. And if that's the case, that's what the Dolphins probably want to have happen. So here are some options as backup quarterbacks, guys that you can put behind Ryan Tannehill and feel good about having two quarterbacks in the room. The first guy that we've talked about a lot here on the show, Teddy Bridgewater. He is a Miami native, obviously has the horrific knee injury back in 2016 prior to the season. And to me, he's a guy that you can protect that injury by keeping him kind of in the fold in the background, doesn't have to get onto the field. I think Bridgewater is probably going to have to take a lower contract, a decent backup quarterback salary. We've paid Matt Moore a lot of money over the last few years to play backup quarterback. I think Teddy Bridgewater could come in and accept something very similar, maybe like a two-year, $12 million, maybe a one-year, $5 million, something like in that 4 to $6 million range for a backup quarterback, a very good price for a backup quarterback. And he gives you the option to kind of develop in case... 
it doesn't work out with Ryan Tannehill, you can always turn to Teddy Bridgewater and say, okay, we developed this guy in our program for a year. He's ready to go. The knee is healthy. Let's go in that direction. So that's option number one. And option number two might be my favorite one for a completely different reason. Josh McCown, he was super solid for the Jets last year. The reason they're not picking number one in the draft right now, in my opinion, he was just constantly professional. He didn't make the big mistakes. He kept the chains moving. He kept that team in games and let the defense play well like they did last year. But he's obviously not going to be your long-term development project, but he is the best option to win a game or two in the event that Ryan Tannehill goes down and gets hurt. So we can give you that spark plug off the bench and go ahead and win you games in a pinch. And like I said, or like I will say about this next quarterback coming up, the number one job of a backup quarterback in the NFL is to get the starter ready for Sunday. Who better than Josh McCown to go ahead and do that? Well, maybe the next guy on my list, Ryan Fitzpatrick. I know you guys are all giving me a lot of pause right now, but just hear me out on this. Like I said, the key to the quarterback position, or the backup quarterback position, get the starter ready for Sundays. Ryan Fitzpatrick has been around the league for many, many years. He's a very smart guy. He works hard. He didn't get here based on his physical tools. He got here because of his ability to go ahead and digest the game and be a smart player. So if Fitzpatrick is a guy that comes in mid-game, like if Tannehill gets hurt in the middle of a game, he is capable of giving you that Matt Moore gunslinger type of spark. Well, he'll come in for a short period of time, throw some long balls, hit some completions, and maybe get you a win. Obviously, his journeyman status tells you that that's all he is. He's not going to be a guy that comes in and plays well for an extended period of time because he just doesn't have the ability to do that. The longer he's on the field, the more mistakes he'll make. But he can win you a game in a pinch, and he's a good backup quarterback to have around the building. So I hope you guys got the definitive tone of my voice in this episode. And that's kind of, you know, I've been a little bit ambiguous in terms of deciding what I think the future of this team should be and the direction they take this offseason. But I think that the Robert Quinn kind of started a cycle, a slow cycle of how I think things are going to go. And if you guys can't tell, my opinion is that the Dolphins are in a win now and should play accordingly and try to get this team built around Ryan Tannehill and play with the exception that you're going to win football games in 2018. All right, guys, that's going to do it for today's podcast on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating and a review and check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at Linkfield NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins and of course at Locked On NFL as well as their Facebook page. Check out LockedOnDolphins.com for the Robert Quinn piece up live right now. We will be back tomorrow with another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.